episode of get a good start find us on facebook instagram and youtube at get a good start visit us on getagoodstart.com for the accompanying blog to this podcast which provides additional information about my guests links to the information we discuss and ways you can put into action what we talk about here on the show so you can get a good start hey everybody our next guest is no stranger to being behind the mic he is the executive producer of the morning show with boomer and geo in the New York area on WFAN. He is also the co-host of the warm-up show with Al Dukes and Jerry Recco. Welcome to the show, Al Dukes. Al, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I jump right in and always ask the same question to all my guests. When you think about the phrase, getting a good start, starting your day or starting the week, what does that mean to you? Getting a good start. Well, I work very early morning hours, and I have since 2006. So I'm, uh, what is that, year uh, 15 for that? Is that right? 15, yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, I, you know, I get up very early in the morning. I have not hit a snooze button in probably over 15 years. I legitimately, when the alarm goes off, I get up uh, because I, I, I start my day right away. Uh, but... For me, getting a good start really starts the night before. I do as much prep work for the radio show as I can. Before I go to bed, I make sure that I go to bed early, which is not always easy, especially in the summer. And I get up early because I find for me, um, uh, I do my best work in the morning. I, I love nothing more than getting so much work done before people even begin to wake up. You know, I feel like I get such a head start to the day by going to bed early, getting up early, and getting things done first thing in the morning. So for me, that, that all is like a package. It's like, do as much prep at night as you can, get enough sleep. For me, I need seven hours probably, and then get up early, don't hit that snooze, get off and running. Al, if we were to think about it, everybody wishes they knew now what they knew, what, what they learned over the years. Yeah. Let me, let me try that again. Hold on. Al, everybody wishes they could go back in time. And if you could go back in time, let's say back to when you were uh, at iHeartMedia back in 94, what piece of advice would you give yourself to maybe move you along your career path a little faster? What was something you learned over this time frame that you could give yourself and, and really give yourself a better start? Well, one of the things for me is... Uh... You know, internships to me are, are the most important thing to do. And I grew up and went to school in New Jersey at Kane University. And I was so close to New York City. And I loved the WNEW. I loved 92.3 K-Rock, loved Howard Stern, loved the David Letterman show, which was uh, based out of NBC in New York. I was so afraid to even apply for internships at those places that I had kind of put on a pedestal that... Uh, and I don't know whether it was because I was afraid to go into New York City, if I was afraid that those shows were too big for me. Uh, but I wish I would have applied for internships at those uh, shows and those places. Instead, I, I chose a really small radio station in Elizabeth, New Jersey, that nobody really even heard of. Uh, sure, it was convenient for me to get there. It was a quick ride from where I lived. But I really wish that I would have had uh, a little more confidence 
to go to the places that I really wanted to work, but I guess I just felt like, what, what, how was I deserving of going to work there? What experience and skills could I bring? Little did I know later on, you talk to people that had the same skills that I had coming out of college or coming out of high school, and they had the guts to apply to those places and get internships and, and be able to, even for a short time, work at some of the, the biggest places in New York City. Al, if I were to put you in Madison Square Garden when we have back to normal and the seats are all filled with all college graduates, what's one piece of advice you would tell them? Hey, everybody, you need to do this and it's going to get you a better start off to your life. Uh, well, uh, I always say, I always think about, and I have this uh, this poster in my. I still keep it in my room. And it's a, it's a picture of a uh, Cal Ripken Jr. and it's one of those posters with a message type of thing, and it just says perseverance. And to me, showing up is half the battle uh, when you are competing against other people for jobs and school. You know, it sounds like that shouldn't be all that hard to do, but so many people can't even make it so that they show up to work every day. Don't call in sick. You know, don't say no to um, shifts when they're available for you. So to me, that's like the biggest thing. Uh, be there, be somebody that can be counted on by the radio station or wherever you choose to go to work. Also to uh, take any opportunity you can to do as many internships as possible and try to get try to get internships at places you want to work. So many times uh, people at WFAN started their careers as interns there. You know, they start off as interns. They seem like people we can count on and trust. When we're looking for part-timers, we kind of take the part-timers from interns. We kind of take full-timers from part-timers. You know, there really is um, a chance to move up if you are an intern working for free and you do a great job. I think your advice is is universal because I know that speaking with my peers and also in other corporate structures, like in the financial industry, which I was in for many years, that reigns true. Consistency, persistence, dependability. I'm not going to hire someone or give someone a better opportunity if I don't trust them and can rely on them. And I, I think, you know, your advice is something I've passed on and you validate it. Um, you know, big New York radio validated just now what I've been teaching to my students, which is whatever you do, do it consistently. If you show up at nine o'clock on the dot every day, make sure it's every day. If you want to be there 20 minutes early for work, do it every day. Don't be, well, I don't know if he's here or not. Like make it odd that they're not there on time. I think recently on your show, you had someone who, who didn't show. Yeah. And 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 everybody was freaking out now see that's a sign of someone who built consistency and the odd that odd day out everyone was concerned but uh you know that that was a perfect example of how someone can build consistency and they stick out like a sore thumb when they're not consistent right in fact uh there's been times at work where like eddie uh schizari somebody i work with uh who's there like at least an hour before he's supposed to be there every day. I was always there an hour before where if you're uh, even a half hour early, it's like, where's Eddie? You know, even yeah. though he's not supposed to be there for another half hour, consistently he shows up uh, an hour early. So you start to look for him uh, beforehand. So I do, I do think that's a big thing. Yeah, I used to have a, a thing I used to tell my team early is on time and on time is late. 
but that was right. That was the old, uh, that was the old Tom Coughlin thing. Who was the head coach yep. of the giants. Yep. If you were five, if you were five <laughs> minutes early, you were really five minutes late. Cause he yeah. wanted everybody there earlier than, than they yeah. should have been. Yeah. You know, talking about, you know, your background, I mean, that, that studio, I've been in the studio a couple of times, you know, you guys work very close proximity and all of a sudden this pandemic hit and all of a sudden all you guys are remote. So the, the looks and the, and the jabs and the, the relationship building that went on, the camaraderie that only close proximity lends itself to changed. How did you adjust your work, um, your work process, your, your, how, how you handle your work every day to maintain that closeness of that team? Being you, you produce all these guys, all different personalities. And really, I know you got to put a headlock, put them in a headlock sometimes to keep them on track. But how'd you do that from afar? Well, most of the other than Gio, I've worked with everybody on that show for 13, 14 years, and then Gio over the last three years. So we didn't really miss that uh, camaraderie situation. And since we were doing things on video, the thing we missed was during the show, taking sort of nonverbal cues that somebody was was ready to talk or somebody was going to jump in or um just the timing was a little bit off with the videos um as opposed to being face to face but we got over that relatively quickly and now it's you know even i would say just a very short time a couple weeks in to the pandemic and i felt like we were humming right along like we hadn't missed a beat so i think uh we benefited from having worked together for a really long time most of us and then uh, even geo just did the, the three years because we're in that tight knit group uh, every day for four or five hours at a time. Um, that was something that just developed. And when we were separated, it was, it was much easier to, to recreate that through zoom video. A couple of my students the other day, I was giving them my, I have a, a workshop called bite or build it every day. It's about networking and building relationships. And, you know, a lot of that goes on, I'm sure in your, in your, in your, job off the air right uh you know talking hanging out brainstorming what you what you do working from home now is is that like do you have regularly scheduled zoom meetings now how do you keep the relationships building over time uh we have a, a like a thursday zoom meeting with mark chernoff where all of us are on it but otherwise you know we all sort of just keep in touch on group text messages or individual text messages and um, it's really just like a sort of a well-oiled machine at this point. So, uh, if Geo sees something or Boomer sees something, he'll text a story around, or, you know, I do a, I, I send sort of an email every night around six or seven o'clock at night of, you know, so far, here are some interesting stories that I found my dog whining, uh, that might work, uh, for the radio. And I also send it to TV. So that, uh, in case they have somebody, well, they do have somebody working at night that build graphics for things that we're going to be talking about on the radio that they could build graphics for. And then I update that, uh, rundown again at four 30 in the morning, uh, for things that had happened from seven o'clock on at night. So, um, that's how we, we, we don't really, do daily meetings other than that way through email or through text messages now. You know, the radio industry has always fascinated me. Uh, when I was in college, there was a station, uh, Z102 in Savannah, uh, Georgia, which a friend of mine, Jonathan Broth, was the local DJ who actually is, is now on uh, Sirius XM, I think. 
and it was interesting to go into the studio and see how all that, all that worked. He got paid nothing. They used to, I used to, I was a college student treating him to dinner sometimes. If you can imagine, <laughs> there's no, sure, no, I can't no, imagine two, two more broke people in the world. And he was broker than me and he had a full-time job, but right. uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's fascinating radio. It's how it's changed is, is, is amazing podcast look at me i'm on the air now and doing things um what kind of advice would you give college students who wanted to break into the radio industry what should they be doing well i i would say to look at it now like it's the audio industry right it's not necessarily the radio industry like you mentioned podcasting you know there's a lot more uh, companies popping up doing that uh, i have always for the longest time i mean i got into radio in 1994 and even back then, like initially, I thought it would be cool to be a, like a rock DJ and, you know, you get to play rock music, you get to talk in between. But even way back then in the 1980s and the 1990s, you know, the, those radio stations always had the slogan, less talk, more rock. And I was like, wow, even my own radio station doesn't want me talking. Right. So I, I had thought from back then, uh, talk radio is probably the way to go. So there's a lot more jobs available uh, on the air or behind the scenes than there is for music stations, unless of course you're working on the morning show. That's really generally the only um, on a music station, the only shows that have an actual staff. Otherwise it'd be like, like your buddy was, he was a one man show. Right. Mm -hmm. And still not making all that much money. So um, I would say uh, look at it like it's an audio business, not the radio business and try to look in radio for talk, which these days really is just sports talk or sort of political talk. Like those are the, really the two uh, options that you have or morning shows on music stations. Al, I want to thank you for joining me today. Uh, sure. Your, your insight, I'm sure will be land on, on very receptive ears with a lot of my students. And I welcome you back when I hit the uh, 50 mark on the podcast. Right now we're going to be up, you're going to nice. be episode eight. When I hit 50, I'd love to have you back. Perfect. Thank you, Al. Thank you.